So they signed two tight ends and you're sitting there going, okay, well, perfect. Or are they both going to play guard? Because if not, it's kind of irrelevant. But anyway. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need blocking. Right, no. He doesn't have happy feet. He's not one of the worst quarterbacks. You know, everybody talks about his when he rolls out and dominates and all this different stuff. But you're like, watch him in the pocket. Like, you need to keep him clean. Needs to happen. Gets happy feet, man. So I get upset, you know. But same thing. They always know. They did this with sitting last year, right? Cut him, bear sign him. I get all sad. And then it's like, yeah, the guy who was played for him had a better year anyway. So trust the process, right? Well, the way you feel right now, Mitch, kind of segues into the title of our podcast, The Hurt Take. You like that? Yeah, totally. I am. (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to The Hurt Take, your authority on MMA news from a couple of fans to our fans. Mitch, we had another UFC card this weekend. Not a bad one. Gotta say, not a bad one. One word, comment. What would you say about the week, the fight this weekend? Awesome. All right. Simple, sweet, <laughs> short. I kind of prompted you to do it that way, but hey, I like your man a few words. Uh, it's rare, so we'll, still, we'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> so this weekend was UFC fight night in Brazil. I got to say, first comment I got to make is I love when they have cards in Brazil because like we were talking about last week on the show – the fans get into it, and you can tell it's a good environment, and it's a good show. And, like, there's just so few cards where I feel like that's the reality. So I always love when they're in Brazil. The fans are into it. They're chanting. They're cheering their guys or ladies. And it's just a great environment. I loved it. What did you think about the environment, Mitch? Same same thing. Love the cards in Brazil. Half the time, I you know, you go into them barely knowing half the fighters on the card and it's always awesome. So I couldn't agree more. Great environment. Great. It seems like it's, yeah, the crowd just loves to see it. And the guys seem to like to fight in front of that home crowd. Um, like nothing we've, we really see anywhere else actually. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt when their guys are winning and winning in spectacular fashion, as was the case with one Edson Barboza, our first topic of the day. Boy, oh boy, is this guy looking good each and every fight. He's one of those guys who has had those peaks and valleys, man, so far in his career. I remember I was on him. I saw his fight against Terry Edom, who, by the way, just recently had like a schizoid, weird news story in the UK where he was jumping in front of buses and covered in blood. Look that up on your own. Edson Barbosa, spinning wheel kick, knocked him out. And ever since then, I've been on this guy's, this guy's bandwagon. But he has never hit a consistent patch until now. And he is looking so good. And once again, looked a phenomenal performance for the most part. Did you think that he had a great performance overall? Was the knockout an emphatic exclamation point on that fight? Or did you feel it went another way that some people thought maybe he struggled up to that point? Yeah, I don't. I mean, he wasn't running away with it by any stretch. I thought uh, Dariush was touching him. He was hitting him with the jab. He had just hit him when he got that when that knee hit. Um, so Barbosa was looking to counter that seemed like for a bunch of the fight, uh, but I thought it was pretty even up to that point. So it wasn't. Uh, it's kind of interesting for sure to see how it would have would have uh, went for another round and a half if it had to go that long. But obviously it didn't. So another highlight reel. And what do you say? It's it's just like you said. The guy 
The guy is, you know, up and down in the sense that he wins three, loses one, wins three more. And if you look over his last 10, he's got, you know, three losses, something like that. The problem comes that they're all to the contenders in the division. Every time he, every time he does lose, every time he gets to that, you know, prove it type fight, that's when he loses. So he's lost to Cerrone, he's lost to Ferguson, and he's lost to Michael Johnson. So that looks bad when you're trying to get back into title contention and those are the guys that are, um, you know, up above you. But I think I thought he was smart. He called out Ferguson after the fight. So we'll see what he gets. Um, they're going to have to do something in that division. Half the guys are tied up. It's kind of, you know, what are, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to get Khabib and Ferguson going again? So I think it was smart of him to to call one of those guys out and try to get one of those losses back because he was going to need to avenge those to get back to the title contention, I would think. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, he's going to have to because at the end of the day, he's going to need to have one of those big wins against those guys who he consistently has, you know, those setback performances against. I got to think, though, I don't see him breaking into the, the into a title contention and making a serious push because for some reason, like you said, he's faced those top guys and they've all put him down. And I feel like he's one of those fighters who's just too good an athlete and is not really like that organic it's like he's it's like he's a video game right you put him in there and it's very binary it's like you hit a and he cracks off this incredible leg kick you hit b and he puts this incredible punch but there sometimes it doesn't feel like there's really this organic ability to do that you know naturally if the if the other guy is not giving him stuff if the other guy is not giving him an inch he can't seem to do that because he's like a video game character. You, you, like Darius was having a ton of success forcing him to move around and not letting him basically just be like, okay, I'm going to do hit A and hit B and hit A again and just rip you <laughs> apart. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant. I'm a big fan of the guy. I love his fights. And at, at a minimum, he's always going to be an exciting guy. Uh, his fight with Ferguson is a fantastic example of that. I do hope they fight again, but I think it would be a bad move for Ferguson to want to go back and take a fight against a guy that you, you basically owned on your way to this status you're currently at. That that seems like a bad move to me, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Still fun to watch fight. Yeah, absolutely. And I like you said, he's exciting. And in the world of highlight reels that we live in nowadays, I assume that will lead him to getting another marquee matchup, but we'll have to see. Um, there's another interesting guy on the card, too, that's that's always a bit of a mystery in Kelvin Gastelum. And that was kind of he was on the card as well. Another great performance from him, um, you know, seems to be cementing his position at 185. And then he gets on the mic after and starts talking about going to 170 again. What'd you make of Gastelum? Well, I love how he seems to prove us right in that we <laughs> we said this is a guy whose Q rating goes up and then it goes down. Then it's up and then it's down. And he did it again. He did it again. You know, he comes out and he looks great against Belfort, gets a real signature win in a foreign land. And, and then, like, what the hell is he thinking? Getting on the mic and saying that stuff. You know, I like that he called out Anderson. I think that that's a, that's a nice idea. But Anderson Silva and recent days has not really reciprocated that call out but just like give it up give 170 up it's not happening it's not it's not happening you have admitted you eat you like to eat mexican food too much and you can't stop (laughs) 
Yeah, it's true. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to tell him where to fight at. That's for sure. But I was the same as you when he, he gets on the mic in Brazil after just knocking out a legend, calls out another legend and says, let's do it in Rio. I thought, why would you not make that fight? That's perfect. And then to follow that up with, or, you know, if the right fight's at 170, maybe I'll go down to that and just kind of undercut everything he had done up to that point. So uh, very interesting, but he's another, he's another guy that's beat the best of the best. He's lost to some key guys. So it's, he's kind of right there on that doorstep again. It will be very interesting to see what they do with him. You know what they should do with him, Mitch? They should put him against Shogun Hua. Why not? <laughs> Shogun Hua is on a streak right now. Put them together. Another guy who had a big win on Saturday. Throw them in the cage together. Let Gastelum take out another legend. And then he can call out Anderson Silva. And it'll be like the Betchkohea fighting the four horse ladies thing. Perfect promotion. <laughs> yeah, could work. Um, you got to do something. Hua has another big win on the weekend as well. Um, I thought looked pretty good in doing so. Looked tough. Looked kind of like, you know, Shogun of old, if you will. So I don't know if... Uh, if Gaslam wants to put on even more weight to get up there, I think you're talking 205 and 185 there, but um, I think he feels small at 185 already. So not so sure he'll be challenging the big boys at 205, but I don't know. Um, what, uh, what about the Hua fight? What do you make? What would you do with this guy? Cause he's the same quietly won three in a row now. So he's back kind of where you're wondering what you do with the guy in a division that's looking for names. Well, isn't it just baffling when you look at the UFC rankings and Shogun Hua is still on there, I, I, it was like I was looking into an alternate reality. I was like, how in the world? He's still ranked. And, you know, I get it. He's a legend and he's never really hit the skid so badly to drop out. But it kind of speaks to how weak the light heavyweight division is, for, for one. Um, I have no idea what you do with him. I, I actually have no idea what I would do with Shogun Hua right now other than to just keep booking him like that. Like, save him for the Rio card, put him in against another tough, scrappy, you know, journeyman-type guy and let him put on a performance. If, if it's if it's going to sell at the gate and, and if you know that Hua is on a card and is going to have a nice competitive scrap against somebody, that's going to sell pay-per-views... But I just don't feel like that the UFC should really be pushing him for any kind of contention at this point. Make him a fun fighter. Make him go out there and have a big old Shogun smile on his face. What about what about the winner of Gus and uh, Gus and Glover? I mean, he's, you're not going to give him the winner of DC and Johnson, I wouldn't think. So what else do you do? He's already beat Corey Anderson. He's like I say, he's won three straight now. So you're <laughs> you got to do something with him. It's not it's not time to put him, you know, put him up against another old guy. I don't know. It's very interesting. What I, I what about that though? Gus and Glover winner may may make sense. I guess they're kind of right there. Come on, Mitch. Would you put Shogun Hu in against one of those guys? Well, I don't know. <laughs> which Shogun showing up, I guess, but, um, just, that's what I mean is it's, I feel like it's just such a bad idea, no matter what you do with him, because he's boom, he's boomer bust. And the best way to maintain Shogun, who is value to you right now is putting him in against Gian Volantes and not in against guys like Glover and Gustafson who could 
wipe the floor with him and then and then it's another the the narrative changes it's no longer like oh shogun yeah love watching shogun fight legend he's still got it it's is he done is he done that becomes the conversation yeah yeah it's interesting it's tough because he's he's just he's just around enough right (laughs) but we'll see we will see we will see another thing I feel like I do these kinds of transitions. I always take the last comment you made and somehow branch it into our next topic. So I'm going to do it again because it's my thing. Just for the record, that is what a transition is. But okay, go ahead. Well, you know what I'm saying. I do. It's, it's pretty. Never mind. All right. Fine, Mitch. Just be critical. Hey, Just be critical. Hey. Just wanted to point that out. But uh, Another thing that just won't seem to go away, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. Again, in the news, they never, this fight will never go away, which makes me think it's going to happen. But that's a different topic entirely, and we'll probably discuss it. But Floyd Mayweather says he is officially out of retirement to fight and only fight Conor McGregor. What is up, Mitch? Ah, you know, it feels it. It honestly feels like this thing is getting old, but at the same time, it's new each week. If that makes any sense, there's some new little wrinkle where we find ourselves talking about this fight week week after week, and this is just more of the same. Um, I'm starting to feel like Floyd's just out to embarrass Connor at this point. I'm not sure what. <laughs> you know, he he likes to make the point that he's coming out of retirement, and I all I could think of is out of retirement from what. Like, what does that mean? Does he have to go file some paperwork? Does that, like, what? what's involved with coming out of retirement when you work for yourself? Uh, which is really what I think the point he's trying to make, I guess. Last week, he was he was urging Connor to, you know, go sign the papers, let his boss, let him fight, all of these things. Uh, whereas he's his own boss, so, as we've been told many times. So, um, I think this is just more of the same. It's, it's posturing, and it's just going to continue until this thing gets done. Um, or these guys are just going to keep taking more free headlines and people like us are going to talk about it and they're just going to keep cashing checks. So I don't, I, at this point, I don't know if they even have to fight. They just keep making news. Uh, I find it interesting that Connor's being quiet. Um, you don't usually see three or four days go by where he's not saying something on social media. So I haven't seen much out of him lately other than the odd, here's my beautiful pants and here's my beautiful car type posts, but no, no response or anything, which I find very interesting. I'm kind of curious to see what's, what's going on there and if we'll see a bit of a rebuttal at any point in the future here mitch it's obvious he's he's out shopping for baby clothes taking <laughs> his his wife uh girlfriend are they married i don't even know it doesn't matter taking d engaged to, engaged there you go taking her to ladies pilates classes deep breathing he's busy he's got things on his plate right now he's, he doesn't have the time to tell floyd mayweather that he's right that he has a boss i know you know there's not time <laughs> Yeah, well, and I think that's Floyd's point at this point. It's just kind of, are we going to do this thing or are we not? So he seems to be pushing the agenda and mm-hmm. even throwing out dates, right? Throwing out June and throwing out some of these kind of timelines, I think it's just is nothing more than let's put a bit of urgency behind this thing or, or let it die one or the other. Well, And an interesting aspect to that is that the T-Mobile Arena reportedly has set aside June 10th for that fight. Yeah. Uh, now, apparently this is the norm in the industry. I'm not the expert on this, but apparently that's not out of the ordinary, but it's kind of strange that a venue is sort of setting this aside as if it's that, I mean, that sounds like they're hedging their bets on it. I don't know. 
Yeah, I got to think uh, Team Mayweather's got a few contacts in Vegas to get some things set aside, If even if he wants to do it for a media stunt, so who knows, really. But at this point, I'm sure they would happily host the event. Yeah, they'd be, well, shoot, any venue would be dumb not to, if it were to happen, obviously still totally speculating. We know how many hurdles have to be jumped just to get this thing signed on the dotted line. And, you know, who even knows if Connor wants to do it now? He seems to think or has indicated that he needs time to train. The guy's never even been in like a 10 round boxing fight as far as I know. So, you know, I he he would want to do a little bit of training before he steps in there in June, like a month after his baby apparently is supposed to be born. Might not be the best idea, but some interesting aspects of this. Now people are running with it, and this is more of a fantasy thing, but it's fun to talk about. Nate Diaz seems to think that he might be able to put his hands on him, and Joe Rogan is entertaining the possibility, the possibility, a, a scenario in which Conor McGregor might be able to knock him out. What's up with that? Yeah, I think it's like we just said. Everybody's weighing in. Everybody's got to have an opinion on it because it's the ultimate. Uh, you know, like Joe Rogan said, it's the first time that you're going to mix these sports. You're going to have. MMA and boxing collide. You're going to have that ultimate, hey, what if this ever happened? The ultimate, you know, water bottle, you know, office talk, locker room talk, whatever word you want to use for it, where you've got everybody kind of dreaming of scenarios where you get to see this guy fight that guy. And what if we could take this wrestler and put him against this karate guy? And it's kind of that, that ultimate matchmaking that you're seeing. So, um, but I think there's, you know, ultimately nobody knows. And that's the, the thing that makes this the funnest to debate. I think you've got a guy who, physically is bigger it sounds like from everybody's estimations mcgregor is the bigger frame and the bigger body here longer reach this type of stuff so everybody likes to speculate what that would mean um i think all the boxing pundits like to point out that you know mcgregor's gas tank's been a problem before and that's in a five round fight let alone a 10 12 round fight so uh, there's lots of interesting things to debate and hum and haw and i think really until a contract gets signed and we start seeing some evidence of real training happening that's really when you're going to get a chance to see things like what what weight are they going to contest this fight at exactly that hasn't even been thrown out there yet mayweather bounces around at a bunch of different weights mcgregor's been fighting at a heavier weights than that of late so is he coming back down what does that all fit in and i think really we're probably a year out once a contract is signed let alone where we're sitting currently so i just find it amusing that it's the idea that we can possibly entertain as if we don't already have evidence to the contrary that McGregor's size is going to be an advantage in this fight. Like, really. Like, Floyd Mayweather hasn't fought bigger guys before who have years of strictly boxing training. Like, I, it, it just kind of... The problem with talking about the actual fight itself is that people are prone to just speculate. They they want to think that, well, connor has got that knockout power. But it's like... Floyd's fought knockout power before. You know, oh, well, Connor's Connor's got that uh, size. Well, Floyd's fought guys with size before, and he's 49-0 and and doesn't really get touched, even when he fights those guys. So, I don't know. I think Rogan put it the best because he kind of put this caveat, like, if under these circumstances, and if further circumstances, and if more circumstances, if all of those things happened... Connor could probably beat him. And I was like, yeah, he needs, you know, 
Floyd would not have to take the fight seriously and not train very hard. And Connor would have to train his ass off and really make improvements. And then maybe. But I don't know, man. If you talk about the actual fight, I think the baseline for any and all conversations is Connor McGregor is probably going to get smoked. And I don't mean knocked out. I just mean, you know, he's not going to look good. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's hard to figure a scenario where he does, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things I barely even want to debate until there's something a little more real on the table. So, it's it's a very interesting thing. He's training boxing and doing all these things, or at least posting Instagram photos of it. And we'll have to wait and see after that, I guess. Who knows? But I hate he's when you're a realist, Mitch. I hate realist. <laughs> Bring it down to earth. Well, you know, it's it's McGregor. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a positive outlook all the time. So we. I'll wait for the day when the the contract's actually signed to start telling you all the reasons I think he's going to knock out uh, Floyd, and you can argue me then. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Reese talking. I just want to take a moment to plug a couple of our other podcasts. First one is the Sound and Groove podcast, hosted by Evan. He breaks down the world of music teaches you a little bit about the history of music. The guy has an encyclopedic knowledge, so I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two. The other podcast is On to Mike with Mace and Rice. That's hosted by CFL veteran Corey Mace, along with this beautiful guy right here. We talk about a few more of the gossipy stories in sports, off-the-cuff stuff, really fun, really funny. So we hope you tune in to either one of those shows. We hope you enjoy them. And now I will send you back to the show. So Mitch, what do you think? We get, we're doing a shortened episode here. Do you think that we can talk about Belfort and the Legends League, or are we going to jump straight to the Q rating and make fun of one Daniel Cormier? What do you think? Let's jump ahead. I think we've done enough talking about old, washed-up Brazilian fighters for now. So Yeah, again, whether we could speculate about the possibility of a Legends League in which Vitor Belfort could reside, it's fantasy at this point. So, good idea. Let's skip ahead to the Q rating. Mitch, who do we got this week and why? Well, this week we're talking about the wonderful Carl Winslow lookalike himself, uh, Daniel Cormier, (laughs) and why he felt the need to comment on what his poster currently looks like for UFC 210. (laughs) And uh, what he said, so I don't know, have you, you've seen the poster, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, Yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know if our viewers have seen this post, or our, our listeners, sorry, viewers, we're not on TV yet, wishful thinking. If our yeah. listeners have seen this poster for UFC 210, basically it's a red background with Anthony Johnson the size of the poster from top to bottom. And right in the middle, about half the size of the poster, in front of Anthony Johnson in black and white, but nonetheless tiny by comparison, is Daniel Cormier holding the title belt. Daniel Cormier Instagrammed the picture and said, what is this? How many favors did Rumble have to call in to make this shit happen? Just remember last time the challenger looked so big on the poster, RDA beat Cowboy in one round. Hashtag and still. Oh boy, Mitch. Oh boy. Up or down? Up or down? I think I know which way you're going. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like I, it, I'm, I'm right in the middle on this one, i got to say. I feel like the Q rating goes down, but I'll give him a hair of the benefit of the doubt, and that is that all of these posters have sucked for a very long time now. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a 
point of contention for the kind of diehard fans that like to collect these types of things. But I, I think he has a leg to stand on in the sense that the posters suck overall. Uh, is this something I want to hear coming from the light heavyweight champion leading up to a fight? Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, what, what do you think? I, I can't, I can't see you thinking he looks anything but down on this one. Actually, Mitch, I'm going to, I'm taking contrary opinion on this. <laughs> I'm real. Well, you know what? Someone's got to stand up for Daniel Cormier. He can't stand up for himself. Poor guy. <laughs> I'm going to take the country. Here's why. My bad is this impression. This terrible impression's look. It ain't real image. This is not. This is exactly the kind that he. And he's not for standard of composers, as you pointed out. Look at champion, people, hero, country, Ireland, crazy for their crappy poster. They're not really saying that. They're horrible to stand on. Because it's a real thing. He jumped. It's come all really of this. And he's not the man. This is the one of their amazing story ups in Hollywood. Lore, but two stars in the movie trying to fight in their contract over who gets first billing. Then. Left of the poster, their name is listed first. As for my, the two faces instead on an angle, you can almost read them both at one at the same time. And crazy stories. This is just like if Daniel Cormier had any control or any sway, he this would not be case because it is a bad look. It's a terrible look for him. So I understand where he's coming from. I'm standing up for Daniel Cormier because just because he's an Olympian and a UFC champion, he can't stand up for himself like he can stand up for him. <laughs> wow. Wow is I've got to say, I guess. I don't know. Um, I don't even know to begin that one. If you, <laughs> if you if you come from a world of PR, um, you obviously do. But it, how does this look good? So even if even if he has a leg to stand on in, in complaining about this, and I can see that, I see his point. Is the first place to do it the public forum of Instagram or on the MMA Hour to whatever millions of listeners, rather than you know pick up a phone dial someone at the UFC, pull some clout because you're the champion, this light heavyweight champion, does this stuff happen? It just seems like he's this lovable loser type that would go public with this kind of thing. Let me let me complain about it out in the air. Let me tell the fans, oh, poor me. And it was the same. It, it's the same. It goes all the way back to the John Jones days. It was all poor Daniel. Look at this lunatic. Why are people booing me? Why are they not? He just comes across as a bit of a whiner, and it's sad. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, is it his? It, is it because he looks like a giant teddy bear? And obviously, we're talking about a decorated, one of the best wrestlers, the history of the UFC, light heavyweight champion, a billion times more of a man than I will ever be. I get all of that, but when you look at the guy, there's something that makes you, you know, I know maybe that's maybe that's just me. But there's something that you look and go, he can't be taken seriously for some reason. He's got a bit of a cartoon character face. You just kind of see him. He's great. He's intelligent. He's well spoken. He does all those things. But he doesn't he seem like a guy who should be a commentator, not a fighter? And as soon as he comes out and says something like this, it just kind of is like, that's that's what you're paying attention to? Like, I want my world champion not even on Instagram because he doesn't know anything because he's smashing heavy bags faster than they can <laughs> stalk them at the gym. That's the guy I'm scared of. And he's just always had this thing where he seems to be paying way too much attention to what everybody else is doing. And, you know, it, I obviously get some time in between your training sessions, but it just seems like a weird thing to be focused on. And it just doesn't seem like the thing that the baddest man on the planet focuses on. Mitch, that's it's what bosses do. They focus on the way people perceive them. Okay. That's me. Yeah, he should have a boss then. He should have some people. That's what it came across to me as. Right. Call your, call your people. It just look like, like, what, is he his own agent? Does he, you know, is he this, is he, he's a nobody that he can call? He doesn't have a PR person like we talked about? Like, it just seems like a weird, weird play. But anyways, we've probably talked about it long enough, considering it was just a poster after all. 
Fine, Mitch. Fine. We'll move on to the next topic. If that's what you really want, if you won't let me defend Daniel Cormier further, I don't have to. I don't have to. His, the people know the truth. <laughs> they do, and they will continue to boo him at UFC 210, I bet you. <laughs> oh, God. You're right. You're right. It's, it's too bad. But looking a little bit further ahead, but not that far ahead, we got another UFC card this weekend, Mitch. Well, gotta say, on paper, there's a lot going on on this card. I'm loving. First of all, my first thought was, the last person to fight Chris Cyborg Santos is the first fight on the card, like the very first fight. I thought that was strange. Poor Lena Landsberg, the elbow queen, didn't look too bad against Chris Cyborg. She's the very first fight. No one is gonna see this fight. I thought that was kind of sad. You got. Mark Diakisi, I can't pronounce his name. I'm really sorry. Very interesting story. First, um, I believe, openly gay MMA fighter. He's on the cover of a gay magazine. Very interesting topic. Interesting guy. Got to admit, to come out and be that vocal about it in a sport like MMA, pretty crazy. Also, Makwan Amerikani, Mr. Finland. Love to watch that guy fight. Super good show. But all of those guys considered... To me, the two stories that most were interesting came down to Joe Duffy and Gunnar Nelson. But I'll tell you why I didn't want to talk about Joe Duffy this week. The only reason that people really talk about Joe Duffy is because he's the last guy to beat Conor McGregor. And I feel like we've come to that point now. Was the last guy to beat Conor McGregor. What? No, yeah, you're correct. Well, Diaz. I mean, okay. Oh, just but, just the guy that slept him, but I mean, you know. <laughs> fair, fair. Okay. I misspoke slightly. The point being that Joe Duffy's entire UFC calling card has been that when he debuted in the UFC, he was the last guy to beat Conor McGregor. That was his thing for the longest time. Now, like you said, McGregor has lost, and McGregor has ascended so far past the realm of possibility that Joe Duffy could ever fight him. I don't think there's any point talking about Joe Duffy. He's just another guy at this point, which is why I am talking about my boy, Gunnar Nelson. I love watching Gunnar Nelson fight. I think that he is super interesting. Again, he's probably the kind of fighter that most people would say would pull off a kind of Tyron Woodley, Stephen Thompson-esque fight. Very mellow, very patient, but he's got some sick ground game, and he has a really fun, interesting striking style because he's got that karate, that wide stance. He's fighting Alan Joban, who is a gamer and a guy who likes to show up and scrap. I think that is going to be a really interesting fight, and the one I'm most interested in watching. Also, because Gunnar Nelson is a contender, and with a win, he could get a top-five fighter, and we could talking about a really interesting matchup down the road. That's what I'm looking for on this fight. Screw Joe Duffy. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't uh, didn't talk about Joe Duffy for the first five minutes of that conversation, but that's besides the point I knew didn't even have to talk to you today. I knew you were going to go with old gunny boy yeah, thought boy. for sure. That's where you're bringing it up. Cause if there's anything Reese likes, we talked about this last week. It's a bit <laughs> of a grappling match, right? A little, a little lay on the ground and have, uh, have some, some fun holding time. <laughs> you're offending uh, half of our audience, Mish, with that comment. I just want you to know uh, that. Hey, I don't know why I'd be offending anybody. It's it's a boring guy to watch fight. That's all I'm saying. Although, I do also slightly enjoy him. It's always intriguing. He f- comes out of out of the 
same gym as Connor. It's interesting to see Coach Kavanaugh on the corner and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll give it to you, but it's it's a boring one, albeit one I knew you were going to go for. Myself, on the other hand, instantly drawn to Brad Pickett and his retirement fight. Um, I think that's a very interesting one to look at on this card. Uh, for, for no other reason, you got a bit of a, you know, a, a fighting legend that's going to hang him up after this fight. And not only that, he's got to do so against a last-minute replacement opponent, which I think is probably not the way a guy dreams of, of going out uh, third or fourth fight on the card against, you know, a relatively unknown in Marlon Vera. So not unknown, but not who he was supposed to fight and, and not, you know, a marquee headlining fight or anything. So I, I just think it's an interesting fight. And it's it's always interesting to me to see these guys kind of transition into retirement and see kind of what happens after that, especially a guy with as many fights as Brad Pickett had. So, yeah, it'd be very interesting to watch that. See, the thing I love about the Brad Pickett fight, I, I really like, I think this is a great topic because we've been we were we've talked about it on this episode we talked about it last episode they're booking brad pickett to fight in his home country in a place where everyone's going to be behind him so the energy is going to be obvious there's going to be everyone's going to be behind him and it's the retirement fight so win lose or draw there's going to be it's going to be like kind of an emotional moment people are going to be chanting his name you know even if he loses during that post-fight interview people will be chanting his name and hell if he loses he'll probably cry if he wins he might not cry but if he loses he'll probably cry because he'll be even more emotional about having lost and now you know losing that last fight so i think that it's a great story it's going to really make for good tv unless he gets slept and literally can't even do a post-fight interview but i don't think he's going to get slept because you know marlon vera while he has looked pretty good uh, like you said, last second guy, and I don't, I don't know. I don't see him. I don't see him really pushing one punch too hard. You think they'll? You think they'll let him come down with the old hat, and newspaper, and everything? Give him one last kick of the can, or is he coming down wearing the Reebok uh, Reebok kit, the old exciting Reebok gear? Oh man, I don't know. That that is an interesting topic because if they don't let him do it, I mean that's a bunch of bullshit. And if he's not going to just be like, screw that, I don't care what they say, I'm doing it anyways, that's awesome. And then it's like, is there, maybe is the UFC, because I feel like if he, if he doesn't come up with that stuff, come out with, with his hat and his newspaper and the whole bit, we're going to hear all these stories about how they had some guy backstage who literally had to wrestle it from him as he's trying to come out from the back, and that'll become a big controversy. Prediction. That's what's going to happen. The unfun championship, yeah, we'll see. I think Ooh. it's. Uh... <laughs> Ooh, Mitch, I think you just coined a phrase here. <laughs> Not fun league, NFL unfun championship. Yeah, well, and you know, I, I couldn't help but think of it watching the fights in Brazil this weekend too, because you you mentioned the atmosphere and the environment, and then just to see guy after guy after guy come down in a yellow and white shirt, and oh, okay, he's from Brazil, okay, and. There's no, you know, it just used to have such so much more flair. So, yeah, unfun championship. That's what I've come up with for that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I hope that sticks. I really hope that sticks. For one, because you coined it, and I'll be able to be like, I know the guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you would technically give the U, like, unhyphen fun championship UFC. But, hey, it works for, like, a good old wrestling poster or something some guy in the crowd can end hold up if nothing else see if they can sneak it into the stadium or something like that maybe i'll try it one day that'd be good 
Oh <laughs> man, I'll probably be there with you, right beside yeah. you, being roughed up. More likely to be roughed up by the bodyguards because of my wee size than you, I, I think. Yeah, well, I would. Yeah, I'd throw you in the way, anyways, for sure. So yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well what are you thinking can we can we talk about the upcoming card and not even talk about the main event can we just skip that one or should we touch on it quickly i don't know mitch i really do this, not... can you tell me who's in the main event this weekend can anybody tell us who's in the main event this weekend headline you know it's, uh cornell johnson or some generic name like that against uh jimmy englishman wow and so I, yeah, if, if I offended half of our guests before, you you offended the other half, the listeners right there. So it's good. It's good stuff. It's a boring, I mean. Oh. From two listeners down to zero, just like that. <laughs> What's a, it's a, again, light heavyweight <laughs> division. I mean, it's a great, you know, Manua might, might knock Anderson out. Other than that, I mean, Anderson has never really impressed me. Uh, maybe dude, dude, this people. is being this is billed this is billed as the next contender at two hundred five. What are you talking about? This could be who John Jones gets coming back. Corey Anderson. Think about Ooh. it. Headlines. Vegas. Two good old boys going at it. You know, I can see it now. Mitch, I don't just, know. You just sold me on Corey Anderson. <laughs> you put him in but, the same but, sentence as John Jones, and I thought to myself, would watch. Hey, so we we spent a few minutes talking about Sugar and Hua earlier, and who you know we don't want to see him fight anymore, and where to even go with a guy like this, et cetera, et cetera. He's beat Corey Anderson, so that kind of sums it up for me. Ooh. You're looking at, <laughs> yeah. So that said, Corey Anderson's young. You're talking about guys who are 16 and two. Jimmy Manoa 16 and two looked great in his last fight. Corey Anderson's 10 and two. I get it. It just doesn't feel like a headlining fight for for London. But what else do you do? Michael Bisbing's on the shelf. That was probably their plan. And what can you do? Well, here it, we are. Manoa is exactly that kind of fight that is an on paper, you know, uh, not great. But once you start watching it and they start throwing fisticuffs. You know, that's one of those ones where the UFC, they know what they're doing. This could be an entertaining fight where at the end you go like, oh, that was a scrap. And that was way better than, you know, all the pieces would indicate it, it should be. So let's hope. Yeah. It's true. You know, we say it all the time, right? It's the, it's the cards we don't expect. It's, it's generally the cards that don't have the quote unquote marketing buzz. There's, you know, that they don't have to be built. They're actually just good stylistic matchups, good fights. And a lot of times that doesn't, you know, maybe don't have the names to resonate, don't have the backstories that we get excited for. And we can blab about for hours, but those generally are the, the fight cards that we end up talking about. And I think generally end up, you know, where everybody's talking about the actual fight, not what someone said leading up or someone did leading up. So it's always intriguing to go in and just go, Hey, these, these could be good actual fights to watch. So <laughs> It's got that going for it, I think. So we started out wondering whether or not we should even talk about it, and we just talked about it more than we thought we really should. The the amount of lip service we thought we should give it. So there you go. We started fired up about the NFL. We finished being fired up about the upcoming fights. (laughs) What more can you ask for, buddy? It's going to be a great. The middle of the middle of the podcast. Ah, yeah, Ah, it was good. It was a good. (laughs) Come on, Uh, Mitch. Thank you very much, as usual. Thank you, sir. It's been fun. You have been listening to The Hurt Take. Thank you for joining us. Come back next week. We are.